passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Now, how many of you like to go to Pizza Ranch? Anybody? Pizza well, I didn't think of, yeah, I thought everybody likes to go to Pizza Ranch. Now, we actually, as our family, try not to go to Pizza Ranch. And it's not because we don't like it. It's just that it tastes so good. I always eat too much every time I go there. Can I get an amen? Oh, I, I know. And so what I try and do to keep from eating so much pizza is I try to overfill on the salad bar. Anybody else try that technique? And... I even lose self-control on the salad bar because I start out at the beginning with a salad plate and I got a nice little bit of lettuce on there. Everything looks really managed. And then I start adding the veggies. And by the time I get to the end, things are falling off my plate and I don't seem to be able to make it back to my table without losing something. You know, when you look at an overstuffed salad plate, it sort of reminds you of life, doesn't it? <laughs> Starts to remind you of our schedules. Our, our schedules, uh, they start out nice and manageable. Then we just start adding things to them. And we keep adding things to them until they become unmanageable, uncomfortable, and unwieldy. Do you ever wish you could just take one day and just unplug just one day that you could stop and say, I need to get a break from this crazy, busy schedule that I so constantly live. Well, I've got good news for you. There is a day like that. In fact, it's a day that God commands us to take a break from our busy schedules. And we're going to study it this morning. This summer at Crosswinds, we are teaching through the Ten Commandments. The first commandment told us to make sure we worship the right God because there's only one God out there. Make sure you're worshiping him. The second commandment told us to make sure we worship the right God the right way. We weren't meant to make graven images of him and so reduce him because he's so much bigger than you can imagine. The third commandment, when we talk about God, we have to give his very name the respect and awe that it deserves. And then we come to where we're at this morning, the fourth commandment, which has to do with our time and our schedules, a commandment that tells us to make sure we take a, a day of rest in a day that's not just a day of rest, but it's a day to be refreshed in our relationship with God. Take out your outlines, and we're going to go ahead and start our study this morning. I'm going to take a moment to read this commandment. This is the longest commandment of the 10, and we're, we're gonna, just going to work our way through it. So here's the commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, we're going to just follow the logic of this verse as we study this verse. First, we're going to see what does this verse mean. 
And then we're going to see how do we keep this Sabbath day. Then we're going to see why do we keep this Sabbath day. And finally, we'll wrap it around and say, how does a New Testament Christian make sure we keep this day? And so we can apply it to our lives. So let's dive right in. First of all, what does this command mean? I mean, there's three key words in this command. The essence of the command is this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The first key word is the word remember. Now, this means remember in actions, not just in intellect. It's very important. This past week, uh, Cindy and I had our 25th wedding anniversary. Yeah, we're making it. And I thought about this. This is coming up. I'm not too sure what to do about it. I started to remember it in my mind. But you know what? If I said to Cindy, well, I remembered it in my mind, but I didn't do anything about it, I probably would not be here this morning. Because you have to remember in actions, not just in intellect. And so, you know, 25th anniversary, have to buy something silver, made a trip to Spirit Lake silver and gold and bought her a necklace and got her 12 dozen or a dozen roses. And we couldn't do anything special in the evening. So I tried to make her breakfast in bed. I made the breakfast and I got it on the tray and I brought it in and she was already in the shower getting ready for VBS. So I tried. But the simple point is this. We have to remember in this word with doing something about this, not just knowing it in our head. The next key word is the word Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. Sabbath is really simple. It simply means stop. If they had stop signs in ancient Israel, that's what they would say on them. Stop. Unplug. Take a break. Disconnect. Remember the day when we are supposed to stop. Remember, this is part of this is the antidote for our over-busy, overstuffed schedules. And it says here we should keep this day holy. Now, what does holy mean? Holy in essence means different. It means set apart. The way I used to explain it was this. If you're in a room and there's six people with black hair and somebody walks in with blonde hair, the blonde-haired one is the holy one because they're different. They don't look like the rest. So the essence of this commandment is remember the day when you are supposed to stop and you make that day different from the rests, don't just know this in your head, actually do something about it. Now, interestingly, many people do not like this command. Now, you'd think they'd love it. This is God commanding you to take a day off. God commanding you to take a break from your overstuffed schedule. But most people insist on working seven days a week, don't they? Because that way they can be more productive. That way they can make more money. That way more things can get done. Let me give you the background of this command. Remember, God's people came out of slavery in Egypt. In Egypt, how many days a week did they work? Every day during the week. 
That's what constituted their slavery. They worked every day during the week. And here, we've always said that these commands are for our freedom. They're for our good. They're for our joy. And here is God commanding his people for their freedom, their good, and their joy to no longer be slaves, but to take a day off to rest and to enjoy. And yet we find this is one of the hardest commands to keep, isn't it? Because we don't like to do that. Now, let's move a little deeper into this command. Let's look at how. How do we commit this command? The first thing it says is this. Make sure we work six days. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. So the first thing we need to understand is God's desire for us to put in a good, hard day's work for six days during the week. Now, a lot of people, they don't like this because we have been told that work is sort of evil. Work is not a good thing. You don't want to work too hard. You want to avoid work. And you want to retire from work so you can get rid of work. But the scripture says something different. Work is not a curse. Work is actually a gift from God. There is joy in being productive with him. In fact, we find work was in the world before sin was ever in the world. Genesis chapter 2, because sin comes in in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 2 says this, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. So the problem in this world is not work. The problem is sin and how sin has cursed work and made it so difficult because it takes us six times to get something right. Amen? And we need Roundup now. Yeah. We didn't need Roundup before the curse, but that's what happens. In fact, the Bible tells us that when someday we are in the new heavens and we are in the new earth in our resurrection bodies, guess what we're going to be doing? Working. And there'll be joy in our work and we'll be working to the glory of God. So how does this apply? It applies in two ways. There are some people here this morning who do not like to work. Honestly, you're like, I want to avoid work at all costs. I want to work as little as possible because really what I like is to rest. And for you, uh, you have about as much chance of getting burned out as I have of getting pregnant. And this command is saying to you, you know, it's God's will that you work and you work hard for six days a week. Don't buy that idea that we're not created to work. But then there's the other side. The other side is for those of us who have mortgages. And we don't tend to underachieve. We tend to want to overachieve. We tend to want to work too hard. And what God says is you work hard six days, and then you take a break and rest for one day. This is a command of God. Most of us don't realize that. Next thing we learn as we go into this command, not only do we work hard six days and then rest one, but we Sabbath, that is the stop day, a Sabbath to the Lord, not to myself. He says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. We often think 
that when it comes time for a stop day, our Sabbath day, that this day is for me. But the scriptures say that for God's people, this day is for a deeper refreshment that we desperately need even more than physical rest. We need to be refreshed in our relationship with God. So God's Sabbath day is not my day. Technically, it is God's day. And more desperate than physical rest is we need refreshment in our relationship with him. To simply prove this to you, let me put it this way. How many of you have time for lots of prayer and Bible study during the week? How many of you have time for Christian fellowship during the week? We don't, because we are too busy working, right? So God gives us one day a week where it is a stop day, a rest day, but it's a day that is first and foremost for his people, a day to be refreshed in him from his word, a day also for prayer, a day for Christian fellowship, because these are things that we need in our life. But quite honestly, when you're working all the time, we don't have time for them in our life. So God gives us the gift of this day, which is first and foremost to be refreshed in him spiritually before physically. Now, let me show you a verse from Leviticus that sort of pulls together this whole picture. It's a great verse. Leviticus 23.3. Six days, shall, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. There's your rest. A holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. You see three parts, and two of them we've already covered. It's a day of rest. God wants you to have a day of rest. It's a day that's a rest to the Lord, because we need spiritual refreshment even more than we need physical refreshment. But it's a day of holy convocation, he also says. You know what that is? Convocation is gathering. It's a day for God's people to get together. It's a day to go to church because we need to go to church where we get refreshment from God's people. We get refreshment from God's word. Isn't this certain to make better sense on how Sunday works for us? It's just right there in the scriptures. Third thing we learn as we go into this command, make sure the Sabbath is extended to all people, not just some people. He says, and on it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Now, the way it worked in the ancient world is the way it works in the modern world. Usually the only people who have a chance for rest are the rich people because they don't have to work so they could have a chance to rest. The poor people end up having two jobs. <laughs> poor people have no time for rest because they have to work all the time. Yet this command specifically says that all people, no matter their economic status, need a day of rest 
and they need a day of refreshment from God. Notice, this does not just extend to Israelites, but it extends to even the sojourners who were in the land. Non-Israelites who are living in the land of Israel are also to have this day as a gift of rest. It's like everybody works at Chick-fil-A. That's sort of the way it goes. They get a break. It's a gift from God. Now, I realize, by the way, that in our modern world, it doesn't always work to have this on the same day for every single one. Ideally, it should be on the same day, but the lights have to go on. When you go into the hospital, there needs to be a doctor there. God understands. When you dial 911, somebody needs to pick up the phone. But at the same point, those people who are working on what would be a Sabbath day need to find another day where they can stop and rest and also be refreshed with God. Now, the command continues, and it moves from how we keep this command to why do we keep this command. And here's the answer. The need for a day of rest was built into creation. Moses, as he continues in this command, anchors this in the creation narrative itself. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The reason, he says, that everybody in this earth should have a day of rest is because a day of rest was built into the creation narrative itself. It's the way God designed us to operate not to work every day of the week, or we break, we fall apart. Now, here are some interesting things to notice. Since he anchors this in the creation narrative, realize that God could have created the world any way he wanted and over any time span he wanted. He could have created the entire world and everything that we see today in six seconds. Could have created the entire world and everything we see today in six minutes. He could have created everything we see today in six billion years, as some people claim. But I want you to notice something. God can create things he wants in an instant. Instant. He doesn't need them to evolve. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? That's a lot of bread. How long did it take him to make the bread? In an instance, the wedding at Cana, where water was turned to wine, how long did it take to ferment that? In an instance. When Jesus healed people, how long did it take for them to get better? In an instance. When Christ returns and our bodies are raised and they're transformed from dead, rotten bodies in the ground to living resurrection bodies, how long will that take to happen? It'll happen in an instant. But God chose to do the creation of this world by a pattern, a rhythm of working for six days 
and resting for one day. And what Moses says here is the rhythm of our work week should echo the rhythm of God's work week. That's the reason that we should work six days and then rest on the seventh day. Incidentally, you always find a big debate out there in Christendom on the days of creation. You know, were they literally six days or the days thousands of years or was it billions of years of creation? But I want you to point out something. Moses wrote down the book of Genesis in the creation story, didn't he? Moses also wrote the book of Exodus and this story. And as Moses in Exodus talks about our week, and he says it's supposed to echo God's week, Moses is saying that the creation story days are literal days, isn't he? So we can literally echo our God's work week. Number two. For God's people, the day of rest is a day of worship to Christ and refreshment from God. As God's people, we've covered this a little bit earlier, we need more than a break. We need refreshment from God. We need a day of holy assembly. Literally, as you go into this uh, command, you find that this day of refreshment from God is a day when we are supposed to look back on our salvation from God. Remember who we were and what God has done for us to save us. Now, we're looking at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. But as you study the Bible, you learn that the Ten Commandments are also repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Why are they said a second time? At this time, we have the Israelites that had come out of Egypt. Remember, those are the guys that walked for 40 years in the wilderness and the generation that passed away. When you get to Deuteronomy, Moses is giving a refresher course, a reminder to the next generation before they go into the promised land. And when he gets to the commandments, he says this commandment, but he says one line a little differently. Let me show you. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And then here comes the little thing he adds in here. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a day when we look back and remember about the time we didn't know God. And for these people, they were in Egypt and they were being forced to throw their sons into the Nile River. They were being forced to work tirelessly seven days a week. They were in the midst of genocide and yet God broke in. God saved them 
when they couldn't do anything to save themselves. Remember where you came from. Because by the time you get a generation or two away, it's real easy to forget, isn't it? And doesn't this echo what we're supposed to do on this day as Christians? We gather to remember what it was like before we knew Jesus and what has happened now that we do know Jesus and how God broke into our life and saved us from our sin and literally made us into new creations. You see how this parallels? The next thing we learn is this. When God's people forgot to observe the Sabbath, by the way, they forgot him. Even though God gave them this gift of rest and refreshment and rest in, in God, many times God's people refused to take it. They insisted on being just like the cultures around them and working seven days a week, because that's what everybody else did around them, as opposed to taking a day of rest one day a week. In essence, you can tell the spiritual temperature of God's people in the Old Testament times by their willingness to take a Sabbath day. And when they're unwilling to take a Sabbath day, you can almost always guarantee it's an indicator that they are far from God. Ezekiel says this, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but they rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. These were rules for life. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said I would pour up my wrath upon them in the wilderness and make a full end of them. The reality is that God's people were supposed to be different. It was supposed to be odd for them, inconvenient for them, when everybody else was working every day of the week, but they rested one day of the week. And by that, they were supposed to be a witness to the cultures around them that we were different that our God has given us rest. There's another interesting wrinkle. What ultimately what happens is because God's people refused to take a day of rest, they ended up in Babylonian captivity, as you know. God eventually brings them back out of Babylonian captivity, brings them back to Jerusalem. You know about Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra helps set up the, the priestly system again. Nehemiah uh, comes from Persia, and he's a Jewish guy, and he helps rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. He starts getting the priesthood and the sacrificial systems going again. Everything's going really well. People are following and worshiping God. But Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, we find has to go back to Persia for a brief period of time. He does, and look what happens when he's gone. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah, and I said to them, What is this evil thing that you're doing, profaning the Sabbath day? 
Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and this city? You see, the people of Jerusalem, quite honestly, at this point, are very similar to people just like you and me. They went to temple on the day of worship. They loved God. But here is the problem. The traveling salesman would come into the city of Jerusalem and start selling things on the Sabbath day. So God's people started going into the sales booths and doing business on the Sabbath day. Not treating the day as holy to make it different from the other days. Not treating it as a day that was a stop day. But it slowly started to become a business day because the shops were open. And if you follow what happens next in Nehemiah, Nehemiah completely flips out. I mean, he's the boss around there. He comes back, drives these guys out of the city, locks the gates, and they start hanging out outside the city. Then he drives them away from the city. Now, why is he doing this? Because he finds out, and he looks, you look back on history, that what happens is when God's people start treating their stop day just like any other day, and it becomes a day of commerce and business, they inevitably, over time, walk away from him. And that's what Nehemiah is guarding against. Now, we're no longer under the old covenant, but there's still things we can learn from this. Does our stop day look different? Is it a day of rest? Or is it a day of business, just like everybody else? Are we saying that we actually need to make sure we get rest and refreshment from God? Or is it easier for us just to do the same things that everybody else is doing? Let me ask some tough questions. Parents, sports are very popular on Sundays. Oftentimes, they take your children right out of church what are we teaching our children? Are we saying that sports is more important or a stop day and to be refreshed from Jesus Christ is more important? Are we failing to teach our children that a Sabbath day, a stop day, should be different? Are we failing to teach our children that they can trust God, that they can do their work in six days, and actually accomplish just as much as everyone else does in seven days. Because God will provide for our needs as long as we are willing to honor him. Remember, everybody else in the Old Testament world worked seven days a week. It was only God's people that stuck out like a sore thumb and had a stop day. And they put worship and refreshment with God first and foremost on that day. Now, let's move to the New Testament. Is the Sabbath Saturday or is it Sunday? 
If you have friends who are Jewish or you have friends who are Seventh-day Adventists, they will love to get into this argument with you. They'll say, don't you know that the Sabbath day, the seventh day is actually Saturday? And we should be work, resting on Saturday? And you're resting on Sunday. And the only reason you're resting on Sunday is because Constantine changed the day and it was a pagan holiday and you're just following paganism. We're going to be biblical and we're going to have our rest day on Saturday because Saturday is the Sabbath. You ever had those discussions? They're actually pretty interesting. Well, let me tell you something. There are very, very good reasons that we have our day of rest and worship on Sunday, not on Saturday. It all has to do with one guy, and his name is Jesus. Jesus changes everything. The last time in the Scriptures we see that the seventh day Sabbath of Saturday is observed is right here. Luke 23:56. after they had buried Jesus. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments, on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Let me know what happened the next day on Sunday morning. What happened? Tell me. Jesus, he rose from the dead. And in short, that is why we worship on Sunday, because it is resurrection day. And it is not just that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. But you look at the Bible. You find from that point forward, every significant spiritual thing that happens in Scripture always happened on the first day of the week, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. For instance, you continue, you look at John 20, verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Now you count this out, realizing that Hebrew counting is inclusive, not exclusive, so they count the beginning and end day. What day of the week was this? Sunday? The next big thing to happen was Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. What day did Pentecost fall on? Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the early church, what day did they meet? Saturday or Sunday? 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that he, there may be no collecting when I come. In Acts, on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, but he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now, you need to understand the historical context. The church could easily have followed the Jewish pattern, which is already established. The pattern that would be very convenient and meet on Saturdays. But they didn't. The reason they didn't is because the tomb was empty on the first day of the week. That was the day when Christ rose from the dead. So at great inconvenience, because Sunday was a work day, 
the early church met on the first day of the week. They always met either super early before work or super late after work. Great inconvenience. Now we think about this. When the early church gathered, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is the bread and the cup, you know, the body and the blood of Christ given for us. Well, that's the sacrifice of Christ. Where is the resurrection of Christ remembered? On the day of the week they gathered. They partook of the bread and the cup to remember Christ's death, and they gathered on the first day of the week to remember Christ's resurrection. That's why they met on Sunday. In fact, what we find is this first day of the week ends up with an entirely new name because it is so much greater than the Sabbath itself. It eventually comes to be called the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. And in scriptures, as you go to the book of Revelation, as time has passed, you find that is exactly what is referred to. Revelation 1.10. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. It was Sunday. Now, by the way, some people struggle to believe that Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. They just can't believe it. I want to point out to you, this is incredibly strong evidence that the resurrection literally happened. Think this through. For thousands of years, God's people had met on Saturday. What would cause an overnight and complete change in the day of worship that goes against thousands of years of tradition when all of a sudden God's people begin worshiping on Sunday and they won't back off because this is the day when Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday, a work day, a day of great inconvenience for them. It's because the resurrection literally happened, folks. And then you get to the year 321 A.D. Constantine becomes a Christian. So many Christians are gathered on the first day of the week for worship. And Constantine becomes a Christian. Then Constantine officially makes it a day of worship. Fast forward 1,400 years. The United States comes on the scene. And we're there. And you know, there's a big debate at the beginning of our country on what day we should have off. Should it be Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, or Sunday, the Christian Sabbath, also known as the Lord's Day? And they can't decide. So you know what they give us? Both. And there is the origin of your two-day weekend. That's literally how it comes about. Now, let me just wrap this part up here. Is the Sabbath binding on Christians? Uh, yes and no. No, in the sense of all the Old Testament Jewish ceremonies, they're completely done away with by Jesus. But yes, in this sense. Remember the origin of the break day is in the creation narrative itself. It's the way the world is designed to work. And also, for God's people... The break day was always designed to be a day to be refreshed in our, what we most desperately need to be refreshed in, our relationship with God. How should I observe the Lord's Day? Here's a little fun for you. 
Remember, number one, it's not my day. It's the Lord's day. Isaiah says this, if you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasures on my day, and call the Sabbath a delight, a holy day to the Lord, if you honor it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with my heritage, the heritage of Jacob, my father, from the mouth of the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here's the application. When you go home, you're going to be really tempted to do this. What can I do on this day and what can't I do on this day? You're going to start to make lists. Can I go shopping on this day? Can I go to Walmart on this day? Can I play sports on this day? Don't go there. That's completely the wrong way is to make lists. What you need to do is simply check your heart. If you're saying this is my day, it's primarily for myself, that's for my pleasures, you'll make all the wrong choices. But if you say the primary focus of this day is that it's God's day, his day for me to be refreshed first and foremost in him, and we have that right, then everything else starts to fall in line. Number two, let mom take a rest on the Sabbath. For many ladies, Sunday is the biggest day of their week because she has to cook and cook like crazy because everybody comes over the house. You know, I was thinking about this. Moms, cook all your cooking on Saturday and then take a break on Sunday. And I have verses to support this. So ladies, you are in a good place here. You can go home and talk to your husband about this. It says this. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out from his place on the seventh day. When it came to manna in the wilderness, no cooking on the Sabbath day. Do a double batch the day before. So mom gets a break. Number three, don't let the Lord's day become just like any other day. Number four, use the Lord's day to reconnect with your family. If you're like us, you can barely find time with your family. Use the Lord's day as a day to actually be with your family. And lastly, use the Lord's day for good works. One of the things that we find is that in the New Testament, the religious leaders are always mad at Jesus because he was healing on the Sabbath. And he was like, why are you guys freaking out? The Sabbath day is a day to do good works, not always to abstain from any form of work. Sabbath day is a great day to you know, visit a nursing home. It's a great day if you're a student to call your parents. It's a great day. If your neighbor is an elderly man and he needs a wheelchair ramp, go build it for him. God will be pleased. So the next time you're at Pizza Ranch and your salad plate is uh, looking a little overfilled and it reminds you of your schedule and you just wish you could have a break, remember you have one. It's called Sunday. And God has commanded you to take a break and be refreshed, but most importantly, 
Be refreshed in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this command to Sabbath. And we just want to confess that stopping and taking a break is something we don't do well. We oftentimes see so many things that need to get done that we refuse to rest and trust in you. Forgive us for that. And I pray that we would take a break, and we would take a break not just to ourselves, but take a break unto the Lord to please you and to be refreshed in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at ChristToOurCulture.com. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.